Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Exurgat deus dissipentur inimicius. Et fugiancio derinteum afaceius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diabolias do praesidium. Imperatili Deus supplicas de precamur, duque princeps militae calestis, satra maliosque spiritus malignos quiad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum netrude. Amen. Coriesus sacratissimum, miserere nobis, mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis, beatis carolus e domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facem tuum et salvierimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Concepio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <clears throat> I want to give a shout out to the Rundown. Um, they inspired this podcast specifically because they laid out things that I was unaware of as far as connections between people and how that might play out politically. Um, and that is as, like, that is it. I'm not going to challenge anything that was said on the rundown um, because I do believe that everything that they said was actually it was pretty excellent. Um, there's very good observations. The the only connection that I'm surprised they didn't make um, actually has to do with the devil. Um. At least an hour and a half of the two-hour program was focused on a connection between church militant, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, Kanye West, Nick Fuentes, Donald Trump, and Balenciaga. And you can even actually mix in just a little bit of a touch because I also talked about Elon Musk, um, sort of, sort of, you know, um, 
on the periphery of the topic of conversation. But <clears throat> I knew Milo was was in a political relationship with Kanye West. And I knew about the Kanye, Milo, Nick Fuentes, Donald Trump meeting. Um, and I had just seen the video earlier of Kanye and Nick Fuentes on Alex Jones. It's quite interesting. And I'm, I want to draw some through lines that they drew so that this way um, we've, got, we've got a jumping off point. Because basically I want to take their analysis and then I just want to take the next step. That's it. You know, like I said, they did an excellent analysis for the questions that were being asked. It was very, um, you, you know, you could kind of peel apart and peel open a lot of what was going on there and it, excellent analysis. So I just, but I just want to kind of take it the next step. So I want to spend a little bit of time kind of doing the through lines and then we're going to push that next step. All right. So for, if you didn't watch the rundown, this is going to sound new. If you did watch the rundown, I'm, I'm, I apologize for rehashing all this stuff. But like I said, we kind of have to establish a premise we're starting off with before we move forward. All right, so Miley Yiannopoulos um, came to prominence from Andrew Breitbart, Breitbart.com. Okay, uh, for those of you who don't know, he is a British. He he he's a British man of Greek. Jewish descent who had self-identified as a homosexual, as a gay man, um, had engaged in a so-called same-sex marriage with a black man, um, and was generally an agent provocateur, like very effective at it. So one of the things, if you happen to be of the boomer era, then you probably never saw some of the videos with Miley Yiannopoulos, with the likes of Miley Yiannopoulos, Michael Knowles, um, what's his name, uh, Ben Ben Shapiro, who would who would later on who would move on with the Daily Wire, and some of and some of those college talks where they would go, and even Steven Crowder, like they where they would go and they would have a talk and they would challenge the psychopathy of the progressive Marxist left wing. Now, <clears throat> Milo was very good at this. Um, and I watched a lot of his, a lot of his talks. He was extremely effective. He's a very entertaining person to watch. Um, when he's talk when he's talking, um, He's got, he's got a good, when it, with his delivery, he's got a good balance of self-deprecating humor and all of that. Very, very charismatic. Um, he recently departed the sodomitical lifestyle. Um, abruptly, I think we're going on two and a half years, plus or minus, um, You know, after okay, so and he and this was after his career bombed. Now I'm not. I hate it when people talk. So I hate it. I hate that people always use the trope. Well, you have to hit rock bottom to make a change, or this, that, and the other. All right. 
for whatever reason, he did an interview, and mind you, before his career, but like as his career was getting ready to go down the tubes, he did an interview with Michael Voris on Church on Church Militant. Church Militant, of course, you know, as we well know, they tried, they like to call themselves the Catholic Fox News, which is uh, ridiculous. Um, but he did an interview with Michael Voris, and my and and Voris actually came out, and he's like, you know, at some point. You know, you know, you know, like, you know, the Catholic faith is true and yet you're refusing to live by it. And that was kind of the intro because Milo has always has been actually quite outspoken in the fact that he was born and raised a Catholic um, that, you know, I mean, he was like he and he believed in the Catholic faith because it was true. And one of the strongest arguments that he was able to economize on in, in his public speaking uh, particularly even when he was doing a little bit of apologetics here and there, was, I believe in the Catholic faith because the Catholic faith is true. And it's still true even though I can't live my life by that. And this, of course, in the public in the public domain, um, garnered him a lot of respect because you could look and you go, okay, he understands that what he's doing is wrong. He understands that it's one of the four sins that cry out to heaven for justice. Um... He understands that he's enthralled by it. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Same-sex attraction is almost never a result of disordered lust. The disordered lust is actually, seems to be a symptom. It's an expression of a lot of other stuff that's going on. And it's, this isn't something that I discovered. This isn't something that I know from, for, well, it's, <clears throat> this is, take me saying this completely out of it. Um, I'm going to, in fact, actually, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story to see, just so I can show you exactly where I got this, because this is actually something that Father Ripperger said in his deliverance ministry. And it's kind of funny that there was a crucifix that I'd managed to obtain through Etsy that was, uh, it was listed as a nun, like a the, uh, the part of a nun's habit or, or a monk's uh, habit. And it was literally the day the moment, because I was holding the crucifix in my hand and I was clicking on a video because I wanted, because I was trying to, I was actually trying to track down something else that Father Ripperger said. And I clicked to the very moment and precise time when Father Ripperger actually said this thing. That he was, <clears throat> he was counseling, he, he was ministering to, to a man who was having difficulty. He was, you know, he had devotions and this, that, and the other to chastity and this, that, and the other. And he's going through, going through, going through. And for some reason, he kept falling to sins against the sixth and ninth commandment. And he said, it's usually at this point when he, you know, he seems like he's doing everything that he's supposed to be doing. He's praying a daily rosary. He's doing, you know, Lectio Divina. He's, he's praying. He's got devotions, this, that, and the other. His prayer life is solid. And yet for some reason, he continually falls back into the sins against the sixth and ninth commandments. And he finally just asks the question. He goes, 
are you afraid? Because the expression of deviant, lustful desires is a is a non. Uh, what's the what's the best way to describe it? Sexual passions, when they're carried when they're carried to completion, release dopamine, norepinephrine, and a lot of substances that are basically chemically similar to heroin. The lustful addiction is actually a narcotic. So if you're going through pain, particularly emotional pain, despair, depression, fear, anxiety, and you're not a drug addict, and you're not really an alcoholic, like you don't really drink alcohol for all that, where do you... Where do you get the drug rush that's needed to, to calm the fear, the pain, the anguish? Well, sixth and ninth commandment violations. It could be something as simple as self-abuse, or, or, or it could actually express itself maximally as child abuse. As bestiality, as 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 sodomy. That revelation was huge. Now, Father Ripperger didn't go specifically into all of that. However, he has actually talked about the the the, the head table, the five chief demons under the devil, who, as of right now, pretty much thoroughly control, you know, the United States and most of the West. He's also gone into and say, and he's also gone in and talked about how typically the introduction of the diabolical into a person's life is typically it's never just one. So you'll get a demon like um, Balenciaga. I'm gonna if you've actually if you've actually heard about the advertisements. Great, then you'll understand the ref the direct reference I'm making, because <clears throat> I'm also not about to start saying these demons' names on, uh, you know, and and running the risk of catching their attention. If you happen to be listening, I don't want I don't want to bring them into the conversation. But if you, <clears throat> but if you look at Balenciaga, Balenciaga is the demon of impurity, and impurity. Invoke shame, fear, despair, depression. Like the actions, those are the side effects. It's basically that's you could you could almost say that's the food. That's the food. Um, obviously, it's not theologically proper for me to say that demons feed on that, but it's the currency that Balenciaga trades on. It's depression, despair, and that and and along those lines. And carrying along with those would be the other four, including um, the demons of imp the demons of uh, sodomitic sodomitical lifestyles among men, sodomitical lifestyles among women, um, both expressions, both the heavy and the heels and the lipsticks, and then of course the demon of child sacrifice, whom everybody knows. <clears throat> it's never just one. 
So if you're suffering from disordered passions, particularly if you're a man, if you're suffering from disordered passions, then you actually kind of have to, especially if it's plaguing you no matter what it is, like you're fighting it, fighting it, fighting it, you at some point need to ask yourself, okay, maybe, maybe I actually need to start invoking prayers against pride. You know, maybe perhaps the litany of humility will help out a little bit because what, because what is the litany of humility? <clears throat> against the fear of humiliation, deliver us, O Lord. Against the fear of rejection, deliver us, O Lord. Against the fear of suspicion, of falling under suspicion, against the fear of calumny. All of these things you're asking the Lord to deliver you from. Against the fear, and then conversely, against the desire for accolades, against the desire for praise, against the desire for attention and compliments, and so on. And then you might want to, as a third route, pray some binding prayers against demons of fear, demons of despair, of depression, of anxiety. I kind of have to laugh. Um, there was an incident, not a very big incident. In fact, the whole thing actually was only perceptible to me. Um, but there was an image in my head. Like I, I, I stepped out of my job, I stepped out of my workspace and, and went outside to have a cigarette. And I'm standing there and... The best way I could describe it is in my mind's eye, I felt a pair of wings spread out behind me and I was feeling very much on top of the world because I just managed to successfully accomplish a thing. Nobody really noticed it. I noticed that, that we got it accomplished and we were able to move forward. And as soon as I perce perceived it, I'm looking like, I'm just like, thank you, angel, talking to my guardian angel. Thank you. And this image, this sensation, this thing that I'd actually grown quite familiar with, in a second, just like that, gone. Because I didn't take credit for it, because the, illum the, the, the illumination of my intellect for the solution to the problem wasn't from me, it was from my guardian angel. My guardian angel's infinitely smarter than I am. Now, you may not perceive these things. You may not even know they're there. I'm not saying that there was a demon standing behind me and this said, could have been. Could have actually just been me feeling very puffed up. And by taking the moment to extend the gratitude to my guardian angel, who was actually the one who I'd prayed to for a good 15 minutes that morning to illuminate me, to guide me, to regulate me, to rule me, to make sure that I didn't do anything that my Lord didn't that my Lord Jesus Christ didn't want me to do. Simply taking that moment, that temptation to be, feel puffed up was gone. And the other half of that of that feeling is insecurity, is anxiety, it's fear. It's the worry about being humiliated or calumniated or being lied about or worse, being told the truth about. That thing is something that we, as Catholics, we all have to guard against it, but we are extremely ill-prepared. We're ill-prepared to recognize that these very tiny things are 
are temptations, that they are actually the natural form of demonic intervention in our lives. It's, and it is that small. It's, hey, I accomplished this thing. And being foolish enough to think that I was the one who accomplished the thing was what was actually going to allow me to get puffed up, puffed up, puffed up, and then I was going to make an absolutely catastrophic mistake because my angel does actually care. And so he is going to take the opportunity to humiliate me because God's going to look and go, well, that's not good for him, so show him how it's done. And you're basically going to rake me over the coals. But these are the things that most of us as Catholics are ill-prepared for. And so, Milo is a Catholic convert. He's a Catholic convert coming from a lifestyle that is utterly beyond demonic. Because that's what the sodomitical lifestyle is. It's beyond what even the demons can actually... I mean, think about this. The demon of homosexual behavior among men is still an angel in his nature and is incapable of hanging around for the acts themselves. Milo's coming from a place where he was beyond the contempt of even the demons. Beyond what even the demons could tolerate. And the demons, their whole shtick is to promote evil in our lives, in every facet of our lives, if they can get their little tentacles into all of it. And that's the lifestyle that, that Milo's coming from. And he's coming from that lifestyle in a time when you can't just flee to a monastery and spend a couple of years in, a pe you know, in penance and prayer. Where are you going to go? What traditional monastery is out there that exists that you can go to and you can spend two or three years doing a spiritual cleanse, for lack of a better phrase? I mean, if you know, shoot me an email. Let me know where it is. Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com. And I'll go for a couple of years and, and, and do a spiritual cleanse because I desperately need it. They don't exist anymore. Second Vatican Council basically made sure of that. Traditionis Custodis basically made sure of that. So Milo doesn't have any place that he can go to retreat and get away from public life. And neither, for that matter, does Michael Voris. He doesn't have that. He's coming from a life that, again, also beyond demonic fighting to practice the Catholic faith, don't know how much he's succeeding or failing, don't care. His salvation is up to him. Pray for him, of, of course. But his salvation, we must each work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So it's up to him to work out his salvation with fear and trembling. And if he's interested in doing that, he'll do it. And if he's not, he's not. And there's nothing about a person's public persona that's going to actually tell you the truth one way or the other beyond the fruits that their work will have a tendency to yield. And even then, you might misjudge. So you have those two, who clearly who clearly are coming from a lifestyle where they most definitely, at this point, if they are actively fighting to get away from it, 
If they're actively fighting to get away from that lifestyle, let's be real. They're walking through a, they're walking surrounded by a cloud of demons day and night. Because the demons are going to want them back. Not because they want it. <laughs> not because they themselves want the souls of Milo, etc. But because they certainly don't want God getting those souls. Because if God gets those souls, God gets the glory. So you have clouds of demons surrounding those two. Now I can't speak so much for Nick Fuentes. Can't even really speak all that much about him. I mean, he seems like some he seems like some young YouTuber. Now, Nick Fuentes is ostensibly the ostensibly the leader of the Groiper movement. The Groipers are a kind of young alt-right sort of crazy, we say stuff to get people riled up, we say th stuff to shock people, we try to push the limits, etc. But Nick Fuentes ostensibly is also a traditional Catholic. Um, he is the founder and leader of a movement called the America First Movement. Um, he has managed to develop for himself significant enough no notoriety that he was able to get Marjorie Taylor Greene as a speaker. So we're not talking we're not talking about somebody who's nobody. You know, I think he's um maybe 24, 25 years old or whatever. I don't know exactly how old he is. Um uh, but I know he's in his 20s. He's a young kid. He's well-spoken, articulate and all that. He's made some unique statements in the past. Um you know, almost sounds like he's a member of the MGTOW movement, men going their own way, M-G-T-O-W. Um, <clears throat> he's had a few things come out about him that are less than savory, um, particularly, evidently, his choices in pornography. Um, don't know, again, don't know over much about it, but I do know that the Groiper movement is largely Catholic in construction, which is to say that it's mostly a Catholic movement. It's a bunch of young Catholic kids. And keeping in mind that you're talking about a bunch of young Catholic kids who are Catholics in the aftermath of the Second Vatican Council and right during the Catholic Civil War that's happening within the church, or I should say right at the beginning stages of the Catholic Civil War that's happening with within the church that was... Uh, that Seems to be the civil war that was foreseen or uh, that was predicted and promised, I guess you could say, in a sort of conditional manner, by Our Lady. Our Lady of Buensucesso, Our Lady of Akita, Our Lady of Fatima. Like, you, you can generally, like, if you look along the line of Marian apparitions, it looks like the time that she talked about when, when it's going to be bishop against bishop, priest against priest, cardinal against cardinal, it sounds as though those times are just starting to spool up. And it is during this time also of the predicted great apostasy from the top down, where even where all those members at the top of the Roman Curia and all of those members at the top, including the Holy Father himself, appear to have, well, quite simply just walked away from the faith in favor of becoming some super high-speed moralistic NGO. So you've got Groipers who are, who are ostensibly a Catholic movement of a bunch of young kids who are coming up in this era where the catechesis for Catholics has been such a dumpster fire 
that even the raccoons don't even bother grabbing the marshmallows to roast. This has been adequate, like it has been such a calamity in the Catholic Church. The like to the point where the average traditional Catholic doesn't even know enough about the faith to understand why we do some of the things that we do. And when I say average traditional Catholic, I mean people. Well, I'm, depending on the situation, it includes me. Sometimes it do, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But I at least know enough to know that I, there's a bunch about the faith I don't know, and we could, in fact, spend our whole lives investigating it. But I mean, like, there are people who attend the traditional Latin Mass who are still trying to pick up everything, um, who haven't quite tuned themselves in to the things about their own lives that are modern, modernist. And in this one, I definitely include myself because I'm trying to root all of this out. But, I mean, we're talking, I mean, this is like trying to get mold out of bread. It's just, you know, it's not easy. The, and oh, hey, by the way, in fact, actually, I think the reason why trying to get mold out of bread is the most apt, is the most apt analogy is because by the time the mold of modernism presents itself, the mold itself has already consumed 90% of the bread material. It's actually supplanted the bread material to the tune of right around 90% by the time you see that first little green patch on the outside of the bread crust. And this is the age, the modernist age, that kids like Nick Fuentes are coming up in. So it's no wonder he's lost. But if... What has been said about his proclivities having to do with pornography, etc., are true. Well, then this kid's dealing with a lot of demons too. Now, Kanye, not a Catholic, I don't think. I mean, it doesn't take, really doesn't take a whole lot. Like, you don't actually have to be able to discern spirits to kind of know that there's something diabolical going on around Kanye. Doesn't take a whole lot. Now, Kanye goes on Alex Jones. He's wearing Balenciaga. That's the the clothing, the jacket, and et cetera, that he's wearing on Alex Jones's show is made by Balenciaga of most recent pedophilia fame having to do with their most recent um, advertising deal. And I say pedophilia fame, I'm going to be blunt. I don't think it was so much an advertisement of pedophilia. Everybody kind of po- focused in on that because let's be real, as as people, we focus in on the natural things. So while everybody else was looking at the was looking at the little kid who's holding the who's holding the BDSM teddy bear and stand and and in the general vicinity of the Supreme Court case that struck down a portion of the child pornography laws and whatever while everybody was focusing on that I was looking at the kid standing on the bed holding the BDSM teddy bear with the white wall behind him, I think it's a boy. I don't really know. Honestly, I mean, the kid's young enough. I don't really know if it's a boy or a girl. But the kid is standing. The kid is standing on the bed, and on the wall behind him are dragons. 
the room is it the room is made to look like a like like a kid's room but just a little bit off so like the bed sheets are kind of black and white and it's got some pink toys and stuff going in it might have been a girl i don't honestly like i said i don't really know um could have been a girl's room but on the wall behind the kid are these little black dragons flying back and forth now sure i caught the the child pedophilia connotations i got it but that wasn't my first go-to when i was looking when i was looking at this advertising campaign my first go-to it didn't have to do with the pedophilia because i mean whatever by compare let's be real for just a minute is pedophilia nearly as bad as surrendering surrendering yourself to the devil? Like actually just legit surrendering yourself to the devil. Turning away from God altogether, you know, flipping the flipping the bird to the to Christ's cross and going towards the devil. Is is pedophilia really worse than that? Easy answer. No. Yes, pedophilia is bad. It's horrible, it's horrific, it's demonic. But dear Catholic, the commandments are written in order from most important to least important, with the least important being thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, second least important, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. The sixth the sins against the sixth and ninth commandments having to do even having to do with children, the fact remains they don't rate against the profanations of Sundays, rejecting the Lord's Day, rejecting the practices, and, re- and rejecting your, ob- your moral obligations as a Catholic to observe the Lord's Day. They don't hold a candle to blasphemy. Blasphemy against our Lord, blasphemy against God, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, Blasphemy against the Blessed Mother. They do not hold a candle to those sins. So a violation of the first commandment makes all other commandments pale in comparison. Because the first most important is that God is the Lord your God. Second commandment. You don't take the Lord's name in vain. You don't make any graven image. And it lit and it work it works its way down from there. Sins of idolatry are worse than sins of pedophilia. Why? Because the sin of pedophilia is against a human person. It's evil, without a doubt. But a human person is finite. A sin against God is infinite. And to be sure, Lest anybody forget, the fact the fact is is that if you're sinning against a person to the degree that you're committing pedophilia, then chances are you've long since sinned against God. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's not just the lies, the ugliness, and the evil. It's not just that. You want to get focused on Balenciaga? Balenciaga is a a symptom. You want to get focused on Kanye's crazy, you know, well, everybody keeps calling him crazy. And I just did myself, and I take that back. He's not crazy. Kanye is literally diabolically disoriented. He's disoriented to a huge degree. The things that he's been doing, the things he's been saying, the things he's been talking about, the fact that he cannot objectively see that the things that the company Balenci- the, the the clothing company Balenciaga is promoting negates any good that the company may be doing when it comes to, you know, charity work or philanthropy or whatever. That should have been a clue right there that maybe you break ties from you break ties with the rich people elite pedophilic clothier. Okay? Probably should have been a starting point. Instead, he doubled down and defended them. So he's clearly disoriented. I don't know what the deal is with Nick Fuentes and that whole thing. In all honesty, we'll get to Nick Fuentes. Milo. Milo has come out several times and said that he wanted vengeance. He wanted revenge for what he believed that Donald Trump did to him. He is of the opinion that he's largely, singularly responsible for the election of Donald Trump. And this is a mistake because CNN is largely responsible for the the presidential term of Donald J. Trump. 
It was CNN and it was MSNBC and it was all the news media who were trying to promote Trump as a joke of a candidate that ended up actually giving him enough airtime to win the hearts and minds as he goes out and just says the stuff that he's saying. And he successfully won the hearts and minds of more of a little bit more than half of the population that is active enough to vote. But Milo thinks like someone disordered enough to not be able to see past his own reflection in the mirror. Milo thinks he's the one who's largely responsible for it. He thinks he's the one who's the jilted lover in this one. And so he's decided, and he's said it several times frequently, he said he wanted revenge. Okay, we're going to set that aside. Milo's disordered significantly. I can't speak to some of the to some of the specifics that they that they made mention of on the rundown, but clearly Milo's disordered. If he wants vengeance, then you have Fuentes, the leader of the Grapers in the American First Movement, who are kind of like MAGA Republicans on steroids, who say crazy stuff. Um, the Groiper movement is basically a nationalist movement. It, like legit, you could actually say that they're kind of a they're kind of a when when the media, when the news media is talking about Christian nationalism, you could kind of say that the Groiper movement's sort of a Christian nationalist movement. Okay, these guys riff on on fascism. They you know they riff on on the, you know, Nazis. And when I say riff on, I mean, they kind you know, they're willing, they're willing to go ahead and, and, and pay respects to fascists and Nazis in the, in the, in the actual technical sense. And they're absolutely ardently opposed to communism. And they also like to say stuff that is inflammatory and they'll say stuff that is inflammatory on purpose solely to be the guy who's lighting the match to burn it all down just because. So the Gripers are pretty ideal because for the, they're, they're a pretty ideal movement to turn into a boogeyman because they're mad. Okay, why? Why are they mad? <clears throat> Gripers are pretty much fully Gen Z. Okay, we're talking about the youngest active generation right now. The Groypers are pretty much them. You're talking about Gen Z. What is Gen Z? Gen Z has watched as the boomers have made a mockery of everything that, that life is supposed to be. When, you, when I look at boomers, by and large, and admittedly, it's, it's from person, direct personal experience. Lots of direct personal experience. I have met very few boom, boomers... And all of them have been like converts or reverts to the faith um, in their in their later years. But I've met very few boomers who don't have an absolute horror of suffering. They will suffer nothing. These people will no longer make sacrifices anymore. They believe that they made sacrifices when they were younger, and they didn't. 
I can point actually to one in particular, you know, fought hard to go out into the workforce, wanted to be a strong, independent woman, wanted to be a mother, wanted to have three kids because three seemed like an ideal number. Three kids, you know, this way, you know, you've got two that are, you know, and, you know, two, two boys and a girl or two girls and a boy, whatever. But as long as, well, actually preferred two boys and a girl. Okay. Um, saw a really hot guy, allowed him to woo her, but hot guy was also a boomer. And he's a little bit younger than a boomer, but he was a boomer still. This guy worked at, he was, well, at the time was a merchant marine, would go overseas, you know, four to six months or whatever. Well, they would hook up because, you know, this guy, he's, he's got a solid job. Seems like he's doing something with himself. They hook up. She gets pregnant. They get married. Why? Because this is the 70s and that's exactly what you do because you don't dare do the other thing, which is, you know, just go single parenthood and do all that other crap. So they get married. They don't know anything about each other. Hell, they've only known each other for weeks. They get married. She finds out he's a douchebag. He is young, dumb, interested in racing and drugs and this, that, and the other. He's got the job, basically largely to pay. He's got this great lucrative job that would have actually paid him tremendously well. But he's also enamored. He's absolutely infatuated with this girl. He doesn't want to leave. Not really. Because when he leaves, he's afraid that she's cheating on him. Why? Because he's cheating on her. He is spreading his seed from port to port all around the world. And she is worried that while he and he is worried while while that while he is gone, she is spreading her legs for every Tom, Dick, and Harry. You can see how this builds a great marriage. So he quits the Merchant Marines and gets a job as a cabbie. This is, of course, good because he's good at driving. He, used to, he did drag racing as a kid. You know, he's, uh, well, I say as a kid. He did drag racing as a kid, you know, three years prior. You know, he's got a nice, he's got a nice car that he was able to pay for with his good Merchant Marine money, this, that, and the other. And he's going good, except... She's got a job. She's got to go to work. He wants control. This, that, and the other. On and on and on is that how this ends up going. She's got a job. She's a strong, independent woman, except that she also wants him to make more, or at least be more solid and stable than she is, which is probably not going to happen because this guy's into weed and LSD and whatever, and he's not into anything rhyming with responsibility. She has the baby. Under much duress by this point because the baby is beginning to become a point of contention because he's not getting everything he wants. Which he gets less of after the baby's born. He wants her attention. Well, baby's, baby's got her attention. 
She's wanted the baby since she was a baby. Fights ensue. Fists are thrown. Pots and pans and knives and etc. Now maybe your boomer household wasn't as extreme as this. But this can be used at a macro to kind of overlay. Because while maybe your particular house wasn't as bad as all this, many houses were. Roughly 20%. But the fact is, is that over the course of the next 20 or so years, marriage becomes much more flimsy. Why? Well, in the aftermath of the Second Vatican Council, not everything in the Catholic faith is all that solid anymore, is it? And the boomers are definitely not ones to be told what to do. They certainly don't want to deal with tradition. They'll ha they have their own traditions. And their own traditions rhyme with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And that happens through the late 60s, early 70s. And then you get into the late 70s. Now a lot of these boomers are starting to get older and they're, oh crap, we got to do stuff. Well, they've got skills and say so they go to the market. And so the boomers, who were the hippies, are now the yuppies. Again. Things still weaving their way through corporate culture. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The rock and roll looks a little bit different now. You got the hair, you got the, you know, the advent of the professional mullet, you know, business up front, party in the back. The flyaway collars are now bound with ties. Maybe the suit's made of leather because of, ugh, I remember seeing that. That was disgusting. But the boomer generation, which had been all about the partying, is now all about the money because now they want the nicer things in life. Now, now, and it's not necessarily all about the money per se, specifically money, but it's about the comforts. And this is when, if you actually look, when you get into the 80s, the boomer generation is now shifting. It's not really necessary that you own property. The white picket fence is still kind of a nice ideal, but it's more important that you have the nice things in your home. You get the big screen TV. You have the nice floors and the good furniture, the overstuffed couches and this, that, and the other. It becomes more important to have white, plain white walls because you want to make sure that you can resell your home and it's easier to resell your home if you got a blank canvas. So this way you can buy a bigger, better home as you work your way up in credit. Then you get to the end of the 80s. The 80s are pretty much right about the point when the boomers realized that the sex, drugs, and rock and roll they did as teenagers and the cocaine that they did as middle-agers. Well, now they finally actually settled down. Their kids are starting to grow up. And crap, they're starting to put on weight. And that's when the health kick kicks in. Because they don't want to lose that girlish figure. And I'm going to say girlish figure even for the boys. Because while the guys are, you know, because... As you progress through the 90s, if you remember, there was the bicy the bicycling uh, short, the bike shorts, the, you know, the spandex shorts that pretty much revealed everything. And then, you know, they started to become health nuts. And so skinny was now the new rich or whatever. And you can watch the development in the culture. Because what ended up happening is you got into the 90s and boomers realized they were starting to get old and they didn't want to. 
So by the time you cross into the 2000s, they've managed to push skincare, this, that, and the other. I don't know if you noticed, but what did Gen X end up with? Well, as we were crossing into our 30s and such, you remember that TV show, What Not to Wear? You remember that TV show, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? Where do these people come from? Well, duh. It was a carryover from the boomers who were like, no, absolutely, we want to look our best. We want to feel our best. We want to, we want to be us. We want, you know, you, you only live once. Hashtag YOLO. And I carry this on, you know, because the early 2000s, Gen X was finally starting to settle down after a manner. And I say after a manner because right about the point where there would have been an actual pushback to something resembling, I don't know, purpose, there was supposed to be a pushback. Part of the reason why Gen X is called Gen X, they didn't pick the letter at random. It was specifically because they were the first generation they didn't really have anything to live for. Generation X watched their parents, listened to their parents tell stories about their drug days, had to deal with their parents cracking down on them because of the music they listened to and the fact that maybe they wanted to swing out and do a little drugs. Oh, you can't do that. No, just say no to drugs. Drugs are bad for you. You did drugs. You did drugs. Now you're going to tell me not to? You were still doing drugs. In fact, you were doing drugs until you realized I was interested in doing drugs. And then you're like, just say, just say no. Get out of here, you hypocrite. I don't get to live my life? Okay, fine. I'm going to go do my own thing. In Generation X, because of that lack of purpose, when you look, they're largely estranged. Generation X was the first generation where the boomers suddenly had to start realizing that they were going to end up in the old folks' home because their kids weren't going to put up with their crap. And I do mean that in a more literal sense as you look at Joe Biden pooping himself when he goes to visit the Pope. Generation X is looking going, yeah, I'm not wiping, I'm not wiping your butt after you filled those diapers. I don't care that you wiped my butt. You were that much of a, you were that much of a craptacular parent, quotation marks, because when you look across the boomer generation, what were they? The 80s and 90s, there was never increasing number of single moms. There were never increasing number of nannies. You know, the parents could, I mean, we're talking about the, the boomer generation was the first generation that could afford to pay some illegal immigrant to be the nanny for their children. This is how much self-sacrifice the boomers had. I'm willing to sacrifice tens of thousands of the millions of dollars I make every year to pay to pay uh, uh, Isabel, Isabel Garcia over here to raise you. Something that was not a thing. At least not commonly a thing. You're talking about, I mean, seriously, the boomers were the ones who perfected being able to grow up in a two-person, in a two-parent family with a mom and a dad and have the kids successfully be raised by neither. 
that was the level of self-sacrifice. They were dad was willing to work 18 hours a day, six days a week to bring home moochu moochu uh, the just ridiculous amounts of moolah. Holy cow, my tongue just decided it wanted to not work. The baby boomer generation was the first generation where dad was willing to work 18 to 20 hours a day just to stay out of the house, stay away from that harpy that was mom to bring home bucks like people had never seen in history so that mom could pay, you know, the, the little, the, the, the little middle-aged Guatemalan lady, not just to clean the house, but to raise the kids. Meanwhile, there are, meanwhile, mom and dad, if they do actually like each other, are busy flying off to Tahiti and Bermuda, sipping martinis, walking around in their polo shirts with their cardigans, with their cardigan sweaters folded over their shoulders, completely oblivious to the fact that their kids are basically dying without them, spiritually dying. You had that on the one end, and then on the other end, you had the welfare state. welfare state mom that was willing to spread her legs for whoever just so she could get hers didn't matter that she had 14 kids uncle sammy was going to go ahead and pay for those kids and she wasn't going to have to raise not a one of them ever wonder how they both how both ends of that spectrum ended up sociopaths those were the generation x the children of the boomer generation those were the one those were the kids who were the breakfast club those were the kids who were reality bites those were the kids and generation x realized mom doesn't care dad doesn't care nobody really cares so i'm just going to do my own thing and if it was in all honesty if it wasn't for september 11th i don't think there's a single member of generation x who would care about a single thing in america And the tragedy is, Generation Z are our kids. Gen Z, the Zoomers, the Nick, the excuse me, the Nick Fuentes of the world. You got Nick Fuentes on one end of the spectrum. You got Nick Cruz on the other end of the spectrum. But you know what you don't have. You don't have the Padre Pios, that's for sure. You don't have the Lucia Dos Santoses of the world, that's for sure. And to be sure, somewhere out in the Gen Z generation, there might actually be a good holy Catholic saint in the making. I don't see where they're going to get it from. Not going to get it from Gen X, and they're not going to get it from the Boomers. Gen Z right now has to figure out how to dodge getting their junk cut off or their boobs cut off by psychopathic therapists who want to affirm you in your disorders. And that's where we're at because right now that's exactly what the people like Nick Fuentes are doing. They're fighting against that psychopathy. It's a different brand of psychopathy, but it's still fighting against that psychopathy. The enemy of my enemy as they say.
I didn't mean to go on for quite that long trying to lay this whole thing out. But when you look at the whole picture, when you look across the whole spectrum, is it any wonder that we're in the situation that we're at? And keep in mind that Milo is a millennial. He's the one in between. He still technically had boomer parents or really, really old Gen X parents. Is it any wonder with that as a legacy that these guys are the way they are? Now, sure, Milo probably actually put the whole thing with Kanye, Nick Fuentes, and Kanye and Nick Fuentes together, specifically to torpedo Donald Trump. That's a non-zero chance. And if that is in fact the case, am I surprised that he's staying quietly behind the cameras and nobody's looking at him? Because if it is actually a torpedo shot aimed right at Donald Trump, then it hit. Not that it was necessary. This is just some extra crap. Because think about this. Now that we've laid that whole thing out, and I know we took a really long time to get to this point. If Milo Yiannopoulos had actually been doing this specifically to torpedo Donald Trump, I only have this question to ask you. Did you honestly think a Republican was going to win the next election, especially after you've heard what I've been talking about on this podcast? There's not going to be another Republican majority of anything. I mean, they might they might keep the majority in the House and whatever. Cool, you can have that. But the House can't do anything without, ratif- without the ratification of the Senate. And the Senate's probably not going to pass it. And even if the Senate did pass it, you think they're going to pass it with a majority to keep the president from vetoing it? That ain't happening. And they're not winning the presidency, not ever again. Not because, not just because they stole an election, because they did steal the election by a myriad of machinations, including the suppression of particular news stories in the media, the silencing of a lot of voices in the, in the lead up to the election, the rewriting of laws and regulations, the absolute corruption, even in the places where they didn't bother rewriting the laws, the corruption in a lot of those places was just psychotically obvious. So even if all the other things didn't count true, you still had that stacked against you. They stole the election by a myriad of ways with a lot of money and a lot of investment and a lot of people who are willing to do the dealing for the devil. Twitter, thank you Elon, has now begun announcing, or well, because of Elon Musk, they've now begun putting out the documents that show that they were colluding the whole time with the American left. Oh, okay, cool. Well, too late. Because what did COVID do? COVID... Basically, those lockdowns, the mask mandates, and everybody basically being put out of business forced a lot of people to get up and move. Where'd they go? They went to where they could still do business. Why? Because like the gener- like them and their generations before them, they were not interested in suffering and fighting for, the, for their homeland. They picked up and they went because one corner of America is just as good as another corner of America because coast to coast, America's basically been homogenized anyway. So who cares if you don't actually know your neighbors anymore? We're just going to pick up and move over there because we can live free. We are unwilling to suffer and actually fight to keep this place from going under. 
forget about it. We're not going to suffer anything. We're just going to leave. And because we left all of those places, now the census is a little bit out of whack. And those places that used to be starting to lean red, or maybe were deeply red, have now thinned out and become a little bit more blue. And since we're talking about a lot of districts and a lot of states that had full statewide mandates going on, you now have states like California, which might have, I don't know, which may at this point have two to three million fewer people than were counted in the last census. So they get to keep the electoral votes. with fewer people. And Florida, which just had a massive influx of people over the last two years. Well, sorry, Florida, you don't get your new electoral votes because the census has already been taken. And so you could grow to be bigger and more massive than the state of California. And maybe you should have 54 electoral college votes, but you don't because we're not going to do another count of the people until 2030. And so you are going to languish there wondering why all of your cast votes do nothing. And in a world like that, even if Donald Trump wins the primary, he still loses. Because it doesn't matter that he'd probably win the popular vote this time. The fact is, he'll lose the Electoral College. Congratulations, you lose. So, maybe Milo brought Nick Fuentes and Kanye West over to have a meeting with Trump, with Daddy, as he used to call him. And maybe that meeting was there specifically to torpedo Donald Trump. Not that it terribly matters, but he did successfully connect Donald Trump's name with Balenciaga and all of their shenanigans. Kanye West and all of his shenanigans. Nick Fuentes and his utter radioactivity. And everybody got to miss Milo. Nobody saw Milo in the whole thing. But who would convince Milo to take revenge? Well, sure, Milo probably had it in his mind to some degree, to a large degree, since he said as much. But who would convince him to go through with it rather than back off? Was it his people? No. Even if they were, who was filling their ear with poisoned honey? It'd be the devil. Why? Because the devil likes disorder. What does this whole thing bring? You got Kanye. Kanye, who's basically right now disorder incarnate. Nick Fuentes. Milo Yiannopoulos. Donald Trump. Well, the bull in the china shop just met chaos. And he's going to be paying for that one for a hot minute. DeSantis, he doesn't have to do anything. Yet. He's not currently as nuclear as Donald Trump. But he's not going to move people the way Donald Trump did. And even if 
even if he did, the Republicans is still going to lose. And because this last election has people feeling jilted, particularly that crap that happened in Arizona, and everybody knows that the election in 2020 was shenanigans, how many people do you think are going to actually accept the results of the election in 2024 anyway? Oh, wait. Let me pump the brakes on that. Our economy has to last that long. Otherwise, it's really not going to matter. Because we might get to the middle of 2023, just getting, or even to the end of 2023, just getting ready to cross into 2024. And did I mention that it was already over when they passed the Inflation Reduction Act? If you go back in the podcast archives, early in, early in what's available on, right now on the website, RadioFreeCatholic.com, you will find... You will find that I talked about the Inflation Reduction Act and how it was already the final nail in the coffin, but it was the nail in the coffin that was going to take a long time to come to pass. And there's no amount of cryptocurrency that's going to save us. When you look across this whole field, who could possibly master all of that? Who could possibly have managed to maneuver the church, the state, the political arena, the public, the, you know, celebrities and the whole nine yards? Who could have possibly maneuvered all of these people into the position where we're at now, where literally you don't want to be a Republican, but you can't be a Democrat. And there aren't enough Republicans that are going to be worth anything because they're not people who are talking about sticking to the truth because nobody is sticking to the truth anymore. And even those who claim to be traditional Catholics can't be trusted to live their lives enough, appropriately enough, as a traditional Catholic to be able to see that the things that they're doing to this country are completely destructive. Because what the rundown did say was absolutely right is they now have the direct connection between Hitler and the Nazis and anti-Semitism and traditional Catholics. It's a tragedy-ish Well, let me back that up. You didn't think we were getting out of this without martyrdom, did you? I mean, many of us will get out of it without martyrdom, but we'll apostatize. We'll descend into heresy. We'll sacrifice our salvation because we, like our parents before us, will refuse to suffer. And that's really the ultimate thing that the demons want. They want you to not countenance suffering anymore because if you're not willing to suffer for the sake of god well you'll never see the beatific vision dear family don't get distracted all of these things that are going on they're just distractions Kanye, Balenciaga, Milo, elections, they're just distractions. 
We have to stand up for the faith. We have to be Catholic. We have to move beyond. We're not going to get anywhere by disavowing. And we're not going to get anywhere by endorsing. Don't even think in those terms. Just preach the faith. Convert sinners. Do the spiritual and corporal acts of mercy and just do them fervently, loudly. Like Dr. Taylor Marshall likes to say, we're the salt and light, so get out there and be salty. If you don't fight, if you don't show that you're willing to fight, if you don't show that you're willing to lose it all, then you're wasting your consecration. Why, why did you even bother consecrating your family to the Sacred Heart? Why did you bother consecrating yourself and your family to, to the Immaculate Heart? Why did you waste time consecrating your parish if you're not actually going to put it all on the line? You're looking for a hero. You're looking for a leader. You're looking for that guy. Forget about it. He's not coming. He's not coming in until our Lord comes. By the time we get to that point, it's either... Let me put it this. It's going to be too late in the hour. So quit putting your faith in men. Put your faith in God. And put your money where your mouth is. Excuse me. Put your money where your faith is. Walk the walk. Heck, you know what? Let's start easy. Just talk the talk first. Worry about walking the walk once you've got the talk down. One step at a time. What is that friar used to say? Poco por poco. Little by little, just baby steps. Little by little, little more each day. <clears throat> Pray for the church. Pray for your nation. Pray for your family. Be Catholic. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.